I'm Mel Stewart, and this is a GMM Takeover, the Swim Swam Podcast. Joining me today is an old friend. We are so lucky to have her on, 12-time Olympic medalist, Dara Torres. Hey, Mel. How are you? Looking for the latest swim technology from the fastest brands? Find the right suit for you with Swim Outlet's 2020 Tech Suit Review. Available now at swimoutlet.com slash blog. I'm good. How you doing? You look fantastic. Uh, it must be like the camera or something or the lighting, you know? <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. If, if like I saw you on the street, I'd be like, she's 25. Or you'd be like, who's that hot chick? Come on. I'd be like, 25. I wouldn't say that. I've been married 22 years. I would. Oh, I might. Th I might think it. I would you think it. Okay. If you I would. Th I would think it. But yes, that's true. I'm just trying to give myself a compliment here. So. <laughs> what's going on in your life? Um, you know, just not a lot right now. Um, with this, the whole quarantine that happened and things down here. I'm in South Florida, so things are just crazy with COVID everywhere, and just trying to be careful. I'm actually. Um, trying to get my daughter out of here on Saturday. I'm going to take her to Sun Valley, Idaho, where there was one case yesterday. Um, and she's going to work a little bit. She was playing lacrosse, but she has a back issue. So I'm just giving her a month off, get out to the mountain air and have her work a little bit and just kind of enjoy the outdoors because here it's just way too crazy. So not much. And, and obviously, as you know, my work is on the road. And so um, everything kind of got canceled as far as uh, giving speeches and, you know, going to Tokyo and doing some work there. And so everything just kind of got um, sort of pushed back, hopefully not completely canceled, but definitely pushed back. So right now I'm not really doing a lot. We, we have a limited amount of time and there's, there's, we could talk to you for 10 hours, but this is what I want to cover today. I want to talk a little bit about your background. So I, I, you know, I've known you forever. We've been on two Olympic teams together. Some things I didn't know. And I was like, Wow. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Then I want to get into, you know, what you're doing now and on the lead up into 2021. And then I want to ask, you know, I'm asking some other questions, some fun stuff, but let's, let's go back into the past. And it's, so you've got 12 Olympic medals. You won national championships at 14 when you edged Jill Sterkel. Was that 81? Is that correct? I was 82. 82. Okay. Yeah, I was 14. And, uh, I'll never forget. Um, actually, the year before that, I went to national, my first nationals at Harvard. And I remember walking into the locker room and thinking, God, why are all these people shaving? Like they're shaving their arms and their backs. I mean, I was this little punk kid. I had no idea what was going on. And then I remember um, uh, in the pool, there was like Rowdy Gaines and Jesse Pasayo and all these like hot guys, you know, and I'm this young 13 year old. So I was like, all right, what guys are in the, what cutest guys are in the lane? So I would jump in their lane and just swim behind them and be like, oh my God, this is so cool. Stop, so stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Jesse Pasayo is a hot guy. Oh I, just, I, I, I mean, I, I, he he's definitely, he had, he had the mustache, right? Yeah, he had like kind of like a, a mustache and sometimes he had like a little goatee and stuff. So so that was when I was 13. And then fast forward a year, the Nationals were in Gainesville at 14 years old. And um, yeah, I was still this like young kid in my second Nationals. And at the first Nationals, I got sixth and I tied with Amy Calkins, Tracy Calkins' uh, sister. And, um, you know, going to Nationals, obviously I was very scared. It was my second biggest meet ever. And um I, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, there was Jill Sterkel. I was probably like this, I don't know, I don't even know if I weighed a hundred yet. You know, I was skinny and tall and no muscles and just, 
you know, flailing in the water, no, no great stroke. And Jill was next to me in the finals. And she was like this big, strong woman who was like 21, 22 years old. And, um, you know, just very intimidating. So I just got up there, even though I was nervous, I'll never forget. Um, there was a, a country band that sang, um, yeah, I think it was maybe, I don't know if they're called Alabama, or I don't know what they were called, but anyway, they sang the, the national anthem and, you know, rocking it out in Gainesville. And um, I get up for my event and there's Jill next to me. I'm in lane five and I just go, you know, I just go as fast as I can. I touch the wall and um, lo and behold, I, I won the title and I, I couldn't even believe it. And I, I felt bad because Jill had been the world, world record holder, or I guess that back then it was called world best because it wasn't an Olympic event yet. And, um, you know, I felt so bad because I beat her and no one's beaten her. And, you know, who was I? I was this young kid and she probably had no idea who I was. And but it was it was a great experience. And then from that event, um, I remember that we got chosen to swim in an international meet against the West Germans. And it was a few days after um, the nationals. And, um, you know, it was my first international meet, even though it was in Gainesville and it was it was a blast. I had a great time. You know, some of my best memories when I was younger. It's when you, when, when you think of somebody who's won 12 Olympic medals, first of all, if you're me, you're jealous. <laughs> secondly, secondly, there's just a whole lot of life that happens in that period of time. And you encompass swim history with deep roots. Like it's like, it is all with you. Harvard Westlake is a storied school. Like uh, it's famous. And then, uh, then going down and swimming for the Natador, swimming for Mark Schubert, swimming at the University of Florida with Randy Reese. It's, uh, I mean, you were in the thick of it, and it's, uh, and, and going back all the way to the 1984 Olympic Games, that was a special Olympics. But Los Angeles was, I don't, a lot of stars came out of 84. It was a unique Olympics. They turned a profit. It was successful in a way it kind of saved the Olympics, you know, after the boycott in 1980. But, uh, and then the fact that this, like, I saw that thing that you, you edged Jill circle and everybody, swim fans and swimming know in 1976, she was a part of that documentary, The Last Gold, where they won the gold in the four by 100 freestyle relay. Was that the last relay? Yeah. It's, uh, so in, in terms of this digging into your past, I didn't know that you could do everything. I didn't know you played basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, <laughs> and then, and then did a fifth year at the University of Florida. You lettered in, in volleyball. I know. I know. Boy, I'm, I got impressed. You really did your homework. Um, yeah, I wasn't one of those typical swimmers where if you take a fish out of water, it's just a bad sight. Um, I really had some athletic ability. You know, everyone has something that they're great at. For me, just sports came very easily. Um, when I was in PE in elementary school, I was picked before all the boys. You know, it just, I don't know, there's something about, I don't know if it was just the competitiveness I had have growing up with four older brothers or just something in me, but um, I've always been good at sports. That's always been kind of my thing. And um, yeah, I playing um, volleyball at University of Florida was an interesting experience to say the least. I mean, it was one of those things where I came into this, I tried out for in the spring, once swimming was over, I finished NCAAs. I tried out in the spring for the fall and um I'll never forget like trying out. I mean, these girls have been doing it since they were like five, you know, and here I come in and I played a couple of years in high school and, you know, it wasn't very good. I couldn't jump at all. And, but I was tall, so I can definitely play a middle blocker or outside hitter. And I tried out and I'm, I'm thinking these girls are so good. There's no way I'm going to make this team. So the coach called me into the office and she said, um, Dara, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer you a scholarship 
And it's not on your ability. I'm like, okay, well, what's it on? And she goes, your work ethic. So I'm hoping that the way you work out and what you do on the floor will trickle out um, to the other athletes on the volleyball floor while they're training. And so she really didn't um, give me the scholarship because of my athletic ability in volleyball compared to these women. I was more so because I worked out very hard. And uh, when we first started playing, it was a very humbling experience because um, you know, I rode the bench. I mean, I, I'm so used to always being at the top of the sport and I rode the bench. Um, it was a team sport, which I wasn't used to except for like relays. Uh, and it really, it took me almost the whole season to be able to start. So by the end of the season, she finally started letting me start because I earned my spot on the starting team. So it, it was humbling. Um, it was a great learning experience. And the girls who hated me at first for being on the team actually, started loving towards the end. So I think they got it at the end. It's uh, volleyball is very similar to swimming in terms of like a marketplace and participants and the families. And it's uh, something tells me that if you had dedicated yourself to volleyball, we would see you on the sand at the <laughs> Olympic level. That's, that's my guess. I'm just putting it out there. I loved it. It, it was a great sport. Um, I don't know how good I could have gotten, but um, you know, my, my claim to fame is I was able to start by the end of the season. And that was, enough for me that I had to work hard in order to get there. Yeah. It's well, when I, when I think this, so this, these are my, my quick takeaways from diving into your background, but it's you know, from one perspective, just a personal perspective, we were on two Olympic teams together and you know, there, but you had 84 before that 84 was, it was, it seemed like a unique games. 88 felt like it was kind of wonky and was weird. And it felt like it was, in, they, they handled it. The media handled it as a news report. 92 was a little better. But you have the benefit of the experience of the Olympics really in the modern era and uh, with, with 2000 and 2008. What's, what, I mean, um, when you're on deck and you're in the thick of it and you're, and you're in the hunt for medals, what's, what's the experience like? How, how different are the games? You know, there's a lot of things that were different about the games. Everything from the atmosphere and the village and the way they ran it to um, just a completely different experience in 2000 and 2008. Um, you know, also the technology change. I mean, remember we used to wear suits that as teen, like to get as teeny as they could be because your skin is supposed to be faster than the material to 2000 where you're trying to cover your whole body because the swimsuit material is faster than your skin. And so, um, a lot changed. Um, you know, it, the funny thing that didn't change was the nerves. You know, you'd think after being in so many Olympic games and so many Olympic trials that it would get easier as you got older, but it, it really didn't. I mean, you still had the nervousness. I think that the one thing that I benefited from was the experience, but you still get just as nervous. And, um, you know, it was even the, the um, security was different. It was much, uh, well, obviously, as you know, in, in 88, there were guys with like macheting machine guns outside the village that if you went anywhere, they had to go with you. And so I remember my mom and I would go shopping in downtown Seoul and, um, the guy would be carrying our bags for us behind us with a gun around his neck and stuff. And so, I mean, obviously the Olympics was an anomaly, but, um, you know, as 2000 rolled around 2008, just even getting into the village and having people come visit in the village was just so much different than it was in 84. It was a little more lax in 84 than it was, you know, in 2000, 2008. Um, ETA1. We went to ETA1, right? Was yeah. It? Yeah. yeah, we all went to ETA one, and 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 uh, yeah, I I don't have any clothes left for me to. No, I, well, I I brought like I don't know if you did this, but they said bring pictures of clothes that you like on like 
from Vogue magazine or whatever. So I'd bring them and they made them and some stuff we took home and then stuff they said, oh yeah, we'll ship it to you. Never saw it. Like <laughs> wasted their money. my mom wasted her money. I'm like, yeah, we don't want to carry all this home. So maybe I got like two outfits and it actually was very, very close to what the pictures were um, in the magazines. But I thought that was pretty cool. And we went to the DMZ too. Remember that? Yeah, that's cool. 38th parallel. The, yeah. when, uh, to, to, so within the, the, the Olympic peers, you know, among our Olympic brothers and sisters, it's nice. People say that medals and colors are your medals don't matter as you go forward, but they do. There's a hierarchy. Dara, your royalty, I mean, I've, I've seen you at events, and uh, when you have that high of a medal count, it's, it is, you're breathing a different kind of oxygen. And uh, I'm saying all that and buttering you up to say, but you also have the full Olympic experience. You, you know what it's like to go to an Olympics and not make it, which happened in 2012. Um, you know, I, I saw you, I witnessed you, I was there in the stands and you're with your daughter and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was thinking I was sitting close to your daughter when, when I remember uh, seeing you actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, how did you handle that? How did you handle that? Well, you know, the, it's so different going from say 17 years old and training for 84 and going four years later at 21 years old, than it is going at 41 years old in 2008 and going four years later and being 45, you know, I mean, geez, I'm almost a menopause by that point. Um, just kidding. But yeah, anyway, um, you know, your hormones, at least for a woman are, are way low. They just, after like your mid thirties, they start going down. And the thing that was so different about my training in 2008 compared to all the other Olympics I trained for before, because as you know, we, I think we both came from the mindset that the more you do and the heavier lift in the weight room, the stronger you'll be in the water. And as I got older, um, I remember training for 2008 and it took about seven months for my coach, Michael, to let me swim with him. Like I had gone to masters nationals and masters world championships and, you know, made the, um, Olympic trials and, and went really fast times. And he still wouldn't let me, so I even went like 21, eight in the 50 and he still wouldn't let me swim with his kids. And so it took about seven months, but once I started training with them, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what they're doing because you know, if they're in their teens and twenties and doing two workouts a day, you know, nine workouts a week, that's what I have to do. And I learned after that first day of going doubles that there is no way that my body can do that. So things definitely changed. Um, I went from nine workouts a week to uh, five workouts a week. Um, one of the workouts was even a recovery day. Um, my training was much less. I didn't, I don't think I went over 5,500, um, a workout on um, the training in the weight room was so different. Um, you know, we did a lot of stuff that would make you more efficient instead of being so big and bulky, uh, which made you sort of lighter and faster in the water. Um, but <clears throat> when I tried for 2012, um, I had taken a year off uh, after World Championships in 2009. I had really bad knee issues, had a major, major knee surgery, tra cartilage transplant, a whole reconstruction. And so it took about, it's usually about I don't know, 12 to 18 months recovery. I was back in the pool, maybe nine months after and slowly started to get in. But I realized that I was just exhausted. Like I, every workout I went to, I just felt so heavy. And when I really got back into the training and we go to swim meets and you had prelims and finals, I couldn't go faster in finals. And obviously that's what you try to do is you try to, you know, make it into finals in the morning and then just go for it at night. And every single, single swimming I went to, I was going slower at night, no matter how slow I went in the morning and it felt easy. I could not get my body to recover. So when I went to um, the Olympic trials, I remember Rowdy talking about how, oh, I should have swum the hundred, you know, I had a better chance of, you know, placing in the top six in the hundred. 
I, I wouldn't be able to go a second time in a hundred. Like I, I just, I wouldn't be able to. And so I thought I really had to concentrate on the 50 where it wasn't as long and maybe had a little bit more time to recover. And so I did that. And what people don't understand is, yeah, I got fourth place and I missed the team by nine one hundredths of a second, but I gave it everything I had. That time I did, the only other time at Olympic trials when I went faster was in 2008. So my time in um, for, for the Sydney trials and in 92, like those were all slower than what I did in 2012 at trials. And I just realized when I got out of the pool, you know, obviously I was bummed, um, but I realized, you know what, I, there's nothing else I could have done. It's just the girls are getting faster and I'm not getting faster. And I realized that at 45, I just, I had to hang it up. And so when I got to the stands and I grabbed my daughter, she was crying and I'm like, well, you know, what are you crying for, you know, Tessa? And she's like, I don't get to see Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte at the Olympics. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like seriously, you're six. And, uh, and then my mom was crying because of course she's your mom. And yeah, I had to console her. I'm thinking, why am I consoling them? I'm the one who didn't make it, you know? But um, I think I had a really, because I was 45 years old and I knew I gave it everything I, I had and there was nothing else that I could do. I, I just, I had to be okay with that. And that, that's kind of the same attitude I had when I um, got the silver in the 50 freestyle by a hundredth of a second in Beijing. It was like, you know, I was so upset and so pissed off. And I remember warming down and I had 30 minutes after I won that silver by a hundredth to, um, to warm down go to the good medal ceremony and get back into the ready room to anchor the relay. And I remember warming down and Mark Schubert was walking on the pool deck and I was doing some backstroke and, and kicking a little bit with fins, trying to get the lactic acid out. And he's going like this. And I almost didn't even see him because I was kind of in my own world. And he's like, I said, what Mark, you know, cause I was, you know, pissed off that I want a silver. And he said, Dara, you need to get that race out of your head and get ready for the relay because three other people in the United States are relying on you. And he was absolutely right. So I got that race out of my head, sort of refocused, went in, finished my warm down, got the silver and went um, into the ready room from that, from that relay. And I had the whole entire flight home to think about, um, sorry, my printing machine's going off because my daughter's in summer school, but I had like a 17 hour flight to fly home and to um, sort of think about that race. And what was I going to tell my daughter when I got home, even though she was two, you know, and and I realized, you know what? I gave it everything I had. I did everything I was supposed to do. I warmed up, warmed down, ate the way I was supposed to eat, you know, listened to my coach for two and a half years. And I had to be happy with it because it was my day to get the silver that day. And uh, my daughter just walked you, in to get the. That's okay. She can come on camera if she wants to. That's uh, 52. You went 52 to 27, 100 free, the fastest time. In history, was that in the four by one free, or was it in the medley? I wasn't that. No, that I always go faster in the relays, even if even if they take it from the start. There was something about the adrenaline in the relays, where um, you know I always just go faster. And so the fifty two with two was in the relay. Um, my fifty free was twenty four point oh seven. The winning American, time, 20, yeah, twenty four point oh seven. American record, yeah, American yeah. record. Yeah. And you finished instead of finishing on your fingers, you finished on your palm. I, you know, I don't know if that was the case because it looked like it looked like I watched it over and over because I was I was kind of pissed. I kind of I so what my coach said is my coach unfortunately was in the hospital at that time, and um, I called him right after my race when I was walking to go warm down. What Tessa? Oh, as I had to go warm down. And, um, she's supposed to be in class right now, um, and uh, he said, "Dara, you know, you did everything right. Like, yeah, I couldn't pinpoint anything as to why." You lost my heart of the second, except I think you didn't touch 
touchpad hard enough. And because I look like I, I touch, you know, but I, when I come in, you know, I'm obviously on my side um, and, you know, my hands kind of go like that. So it might've not been my fingertips and been that part. But the funny thing is that not a lot of people know this, but when I sprang the relay 30 minutes later, um, I came into the wall, touched the wall. You know, we won a silver medal, which was great. I get out of the pool and my thumb is killing me. I'm like, what the heck? why is my thumb killing me? So I literally touched the touch pad so hard that I ended up breaking my thumb and tearing the ligaments off the bone. And when I got back, I had to get surgery um, on my thing. I thought that was my last race, but yeah. So I, 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 you know, no one can say I don't listen to my coaches correctly or tell them telling me what to do. So um, yeah, that was quite an experience, but I don't know. He just thinks that, you know, you know, when you're in practice and you touch the wall, you don't always touch hard enough because it's like, yeah, it's the wall. It's in practice. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah, I watched it over and over and over. I, I, I did not know. I, I remember what you just described as being breaking your thumb, tearing the ligaments. But uh, you know what? That's what that's commitment. That's that's 12, yeah. that's 12 Olympic medals. So explain to just give give our listeners a little inside preview. What is it like retiring and then going out and making appearances in speeches? It's a whole lot less painful. But like yeah. describe that lifestyle. Like what's here's the thing. You know, going into 2021, what's going on behind the scenes? What are, what are you going to be doing? Um, well, what I had planned for this year into 2021 is I had um, a bunch of motivational talks, which I absolutely love. So one of the things that I realized when um, I started giving talks and my first talk was like reading pieces of paper, like looking at it, looking up, like sweating profusely, like so nervous. And uh, what I learned is that people actually really like to hear stories um, you know, and I don't think athletes really get that at first, and, but athletes are used to telling their story. They get interviewed, you know, they go on TV, they talk to friends, you know, people want to hear their stories and that's what people love. And when you tie your story in to a talk, there's always hidden messages in there. There's messages about overcoming obstacles. There's messages about, you know, whether it's, you know, having arguments with teammates and dealing with it and, and competitiveness. I mean, there's so many different messages that athletes can don't realize that are in their story. And so I really got used to kind of honing my story. And obviously it kept um, evolutionizing as the Olympics went on and on. Um, so I kind of have like my story. And so um, I had had planned speeches. I was really psyched about it. Um, you know, they fly you all over the country, all over the world. You stay in nice places. You know, you take pictures with people, you give your talk, you maybe have dinner or lunch with them. And I really enjoy it because if there's something in my speech that can touch someone in a way that will help them in their life, that's what's most rewarding to me. You know, I mean, obviously there's some decent money in it and stuff, but that's not why I do it. Like I really love interacting with people and talking to them because when you tell a story and you have an audience out there now, mind you, I've spoken to 15 top executive women in, in uh, Northern California, which was probably the scariest for me to 15,000 to 50,000 people in stadiums. And so uh, for me, the scariest ones are the smaller amount of audiences. When you have a big audience, you know, you, you kind of have to just sort of captivate them, which is easy to do when you tell a story. When you have a smaller audience, I don't know what it is, but you feel like 
like all eyes are on you. But when you're talking to a big audience, it feels like you're just talking to one person, you know, and you just kind of zone in on someone and, and talk. But so giving speeches is, is really a lot of fun for me. Um, I'm a part of a drowning prevention program with the Princess Charlene Foundation from Monaco that they're bringing um, part of that over to the U.S. And we we're going to start on this summer, but obviously we can't right now with COVID going on. But hopefully we can get on that and, and sort of get more sort of, I guess, make drowning prevention so important to people, to kids, to adults, to people who don't know how to swim. I mean, obviously I live in a, in a state that there's so many bodies of water. We just want everyone water safe. So um, hoping to get back into that when that happens. And, you know, I, I also work on a TV show for CBS sports network called we need to talk and it's an all female sports talk show. Uh, that's really a lot of fun. We have a female producer, executive producer, director. We have a couple guys in there, but it's really almost all women um, doing the show. So that's a lot of fun too. So, and we do that out of New York or right now we're doing it on Zoom. So so on the story topic, since everyone likes stories, I'm going to share a quick story. And then I would like you to share a story from our national team days. That's PG. <laughs> Are you there? Okay. Um, so here's my story. Mary Waite. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's 89. It was some sort of invitational meet, something. I, we were in Atlanta. I forget what it was. It was like a dual meet with Australia or the Russians. Um, does that do, does that ring a bell? Um, you know, you're talking how many years ago? <laughs> I'm talking 89. So anyway, we're there. I'm I'm sure you were there because you were always there. You were there most of my career. So I'm I'm there. I win my I win my event, and uh, this guy presents the medal, and I get the medal, and then Mary goes. Yeah. Mary, Mary's like, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, Prince Albert, and I was like, and I'm a redneck from North Carolina. Right. I'm, I'm like, yeah, Prince Albert in a can, and. I didn't know that it was really Prince Albert of Monaco. Um, so I had my first brush with life beyond my redneck roots in, in the Olympic space. And it was very embarrassing. But he was always a sweetheart and a gentleman. And I remember seeing him years and years ago, you know, over the years, over and over and over. Once I walked into a bar in Beverly Hills and I'm sitting there and he's behind the bar serving. <laughs> I'm like, just, you know, just joking around. I think it was a private charity event. And I walked in, I'm like, there's Albert. What's yeah. up, Albert? He wants you to call him Albert too. He doesn't want you to call Prince Albert. So What's, do you have a PG story you can share? I do. I do. I just to extend on your story. Um, Mary had, was dating him and brought him into the dorms. And I think it was like my freshman or sophomore year. And I'm like, Hey, she walks by with this guy. I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? She's like, University of Florida, dorms, the University yeah, of Florida. And, and she's like, hey, this is Albert. I'm like, hey, Albert, how are you doing? I'm like, what are you guys up to? She's like, oh, we just went to Disney World. I'm like, oh, cool. I go enjoy or whatever. And I walked away. I had no idea who he was until later on when he left. She was like, oh, yeah, that's a prince. I'm like, from where? And she said, Monaco. I'm like, oh, you know. And I think Grace Kelly was still alive then and Princess Rainier. So it all kind of came together. But, yeah, he's just walking in our dorm rooms like, hey, how's it going? You know, just kind of random guy. So he's very, very down to earth. I like him a lot. But so my story takes place, I don't know if you remember this, but in 1988, and um, I was, we, it was the last day of swimming, and if you remember, we're all in the stands, if you're not swimming that day, you're in the stands, and the stands were up high, and they overlooked the pool deck, and the pool in, in Korea was indoors, and all, the, and our last day, we happened to be sitting, you know, they move us around every time, so it's even with where everyone sits, and it's not like 
favorable towards one country. So that last day, we had great seats. We were down at the bottom of the balcony, you know, watching the events. And as you know, back then, I think they're a little quicker now, but there was always a lot of time in between one event to the other event. They have the went the um, medal ceremony, and then there's a little time before they march out. And so anyway, we're sitting there. The, an event went. They did a medal ceremony. Now we're waiting for the next event. So I'm sitting next to Paige Zeminer, who was my roommate at University of Florida, and we're sitting there. And I'm like, God, I wonder where our parents are. And we turn around and we're looking in the stands and, you know, it goes like way up and Paige is looking with me. And I see this guy like sort of in a, I think it was like in a purplish shirt. And I'm looking up and, and he has these binoculars on. And he's like going like this. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, but I'm like, hey, yeah, I know you know who I'm going to say. And so, uh, yeah. So um, I go, Paige, look at that guy's like waving to us. And so we both wave again. And then he takes the binoculars down and Paige is like, I think that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, no, it's not. Get out of here, you know? She's like, no, it isn't. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, grab some pins. Let's go up there. And so, like, no one really knows sort of what's going on. But then when people see us waving, everyone's kind of looking to see, like, who we're waving at. And then the people looking down are looking up to see who we're waving at. And, and it became this big thing. But we got up there before, like, everyone figured out that he was in the in the uh, arena. And um, I move over towards where he is. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry that it's caused all these problems. But here are some USA swimming pins and some Olympic, you know, USOC pins. And, you know, you're so cool. And, you know, I think twins just came out or something like that. And, or Terminator, one of those movies. And I said, can I get a picture? He's like, you have to sit right here. And so I had to sit on his lap and I had one of those cameras you get from like the grocery store. That's like a, you know, clicks or whatever. And then you take the film out and they develop it. So I don't know, for some reason, I didn't think it took, but I'm like, whatever, you know, I was so nervous. I don't want to ask again. We thanked him. Well, because everyone like saw us, Everyone started to mob him. He had to leave. So then after swimming was over, I had gotten asked, because I was very interested in television, to go to the IBC, which is the International Broadcast Center. And NBC is there. And Bob Costas, who many people didn't know at the time, um, he wasn't hosting the Olympics yet. He had his own little show, like late, late night with Bob Costas. And he had a little pagoda there. And he heard that I wanted to... um, you know, to be into TV. So they invited me to come over. And at that point we had a curfew because it was the last night. And so I walk into the IBC and literally the first person I run into is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, hey, I'm the one that came up to you and I'm so sorry that I caused all that problem. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. He's like, come on, let's go sit down and talk. And so we sat down and talked and um, he told me that his wife was there doing stuff for NBC and he was just being a spectator and was so happy to be there and, you know, ended up keeping in touch with him and has become a friend of mine. And, and it was just really an unbelievable experience. It was, it was awesome. So I was, I was sitting with your teammates and we're like, there's Dara up oh, she's going to see Arnold up. Oh, now she's sitting in his lap. <laughs> How did that happen? What did she do? What, every, I mean, everyone was like, what's Dara doing? She's sitting in his lap. But uh, I, yes, I distinctly. <laughs> I was like, I was going to sit next to him and be like, "Hey," he's like, "No, sit right here." I'm like, it was like hard rocks I was sitting on too. <laughs> no, it was a cool. It's one of those moments that is just brain, It's burned into your brain. You'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, all right, we're down to seven minutes, so I want to. I want to get down to this. Here's a. Are you? Are, what are you doing now to stay fit? So just so if you're if you're not watching the video and you're listening out there, Dara has asthma and it, and it's acting up, and that might be why you hear a little bit of the in her voice, but she, and she's taking a drink of water. What are you, what are you doing? Are you, I know you're, I know that you stay fit. What are you, what are you doing to stay fit and mentally sane during this period of time? Genetic, Mel. What are you talking about? I got it. It's Mel. I don't do anything. I just, I just exist yeah, I just, and I look good. I just look at him. Yeah. 
Um, you know, uh, it's funny, but gravity really takes, you know, control of your body as you get older. Um, you know, I try to hide it a little bit, but, uh, you know, you get wrinkles in your arms a little bit and you got a little, you know, loose stuff, but I still have muscles and I still, you know, exercise has always been a big part of my life. And when I would retire a number of times that I did, I never thought I would be back into swimming, but the fact that I exercised while I was retired, I think made it easier for me to make my comebacks because I was really staying in shape, whether it was seven years I was off or two and a half years off or whatever. Um, I always try to stay in shape. And so exercise has always been a big part of my life. Um, I love the way it makes me feel on the inside, how it makes me look on the outside. Uh, I, I do bar method some. I, I just sold um, our studio with my my partner, but um, you know, I still am an instructor, so I enjoy taking it. I, I enjoy teaching. I just taught a class this morning. Uh, I take a class called Solid Core, which is on these mega formers. And it's probably one of the hardest, and I like hard workouts, and this is probably one of the hardest workouts I've ever done. They're in a number of states right now. Um, but, you know, everyone has to wear masks and, you know, you have the gloves and sanitizing everything. And um, and then I, I, I like to swim some. Uh, I like to spin. Like, I just like to mix it up. I feel like if you do too much of one thing, which a lot of people do because you go to a gym, you get in a routine and you start to see changes. You're like, wow, this is great. But then you go to the gym more and more and you're still doing the same thing and then you don't see changes anymore. So I think it's really important to mix it up so you can, can maintain sort of mentally enjoy doing it and also uh, maintain your body changing. Um, I found that to be very productive while working out. I'm, I'm one year younger than you are. I'm a spring chicken compared to you. Just, just one year, just one year. But yes, I, I, it's good to move. It's good to stay fit. I think you're doing a much better job than I am. We're down to four minutes. I'm throwing this at you. But you know who are you excited about? Let's let's think positively about twenty one. Olympics are going to happen. Who gets you excited? Who are you excited to see swim? Um, you just know, a I, just a taste. You can't cover everybody. I understand that. Yeah. Um, obviously, Simone Manuel. I like. Excuse me. Um, you know, I love to see people in my events dominate. And you know, believe it or not, I'm one, not one of these people that's like, oh my god, my record just got broken. Like, I like to see faster swimming and faster swimming because. That's what it's about. You just keep getting faster as the, as the years go on. Um, so I, I love watching her swim. Um, she's just like a bullet through the water. She's so fast and so powerful and so strong. Um, and it's just a great role model. Uh, I also, obviously, Caleb Dressel again in my events. Um, you know, he's, gator. He's, he's a gator. He's a gator. Yeah, he's a gator. And, uh, you know, I think he's really going to be one of the big names. Uh, in 2021, uh, you know, the press is always the ones who get to pick and choose, you know, who the big names are, but he has great personalities, obviously very handsome. He's going to win many medals and um, he's going to be one to watch. Uh, obviously, Katie Ledecky, uh, you know, I'm not obviously a, a, a distance swimmer, but she makes it look so easy. I don't, I don't know how she does it, but she makes it look so easy and she just is in one speed the whole time. And what's so fascinating about her is she can swim anything. I mean, you had Michael Phelps who could swim all the different strokes, but this woman can swim a 50 and swim a mile and still be fast in everything in between. So um, I'm just very fascinated by her and, and what type of athlete she is. So those are probably the main three. I mean, obviously I'm really psyched about the whole U.S. Olympic team. And I think some of the kids that are going to be on this Olympic team may not be on 2021 and you'll see different names. As you know, that happens. Um, but it's going to be really fun to watch and 
you know, hopefully all the athletes in, in all the sports are looking at it as, okay, I get another year to fine tune my body and, you know, my workouts and stuff. So hopefully they're looking at it positively. And we are going, we are fingers crossed about 2021 and we want it to happen. As we move into 2021, you're probably going to, you know, when, when dates get set and you can move about, you're probably going to be doing some interesting stuff. I imagine things that you can't tell me now. Is that correct? Um, I if hope so. I hope yeah. so. I hope so. So we're, we're, we're down to about a minute. So I just, as, as we come back, I just want to be able to check back in. Will you come back on the show and just tell us what you're doing? We want to know. Oh my God, of course. Are you kidding? I used to have a crush on you on 88. So there you I go. Missed the oppor- I missed my opportunity. Blew it. Now it's, it's, it's immortalized in history, but we're going to, we're going to have Dara back on. Any final thoughts? Um, no, you know, I just, I, I think that swimmers need to just stay positive. I know it's been hard for all athletes that are dealing with this COVID stuff, but there's always things you can find yourself doing, even if it's not what your sport is. I know a lot of pools have been closed. You can go run, you can do other things on dry land to stay in shape, but it's all about staying in shape.